0: Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 103, episode four of Dirty Heights, guys! A production of (laughs) iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck Coke Industries, as in the Coke Brothers, and fuck Fox News. It's Thursday, October. 10th 2019 my name is jack o'brien aka informer we're spilling all our hot takes on the air The host is boom boom jack man. courtesy of dj shazzy chef and i'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host mr miles gray
1: kiss me on the daily zeitgeist <laughs> ed out on a Tuscan tour, Spliff in your open hand, strike up the match and pop up the gems that we ride out on. Uh, uh. So kiss me. Hey, <laughs> thank you to Tyler Olton uh, for uh. that one. Uh, Sixpence on the Richer. If you remember, there's a cool YouTube video called "Kiss Me," K E Y S, and it's uh, from a Filipino talent show. Where a woman is trying to sing "Kiss Me," but the lyrics are a little bit different. Mm. Wait, she says kiss
0: Me," "Kiss Me,"
1: rather than "Kiss Me." It's like very phonetically heard through like someone who speaks Tagalog. And then at the last part, she's like. Make the fireflies dance, Sylvie Moose is Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than Silver Moon sparkling, it's Sylvie Moose Barkley. It's uh-huh. way better. It's that way is. better. It's actually an amazing and she does it well. Anyway, keys me, YouTube. Uh-huh. Just everything's a YouTube video. What uh what are the actual lyrics to that? I don't know. Who cares?
0: I was I was just <laughs> <laughs> Well I was so I for Be my like research,
2: yeah. yeah. For my
0: research for uh, my AKA, I was looking at what the lyrics are actually to Informer, and I was way off. I mean, I,
1: I guess I always in my mind Informer. I like I'm on a way I like yeah. boom boom down. Now. And no one knows the parts between Informer for and wayo oh, like you boom boom down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try try to sing it with the lyrics. Then what are the actual try, try to sing
0: Informa, it? you know, say daddy, me snow me, I go playing. <laughs> <laughs> I lick you, boom boom down. <laughs> Detective, may I say, uh, say daddy, me snow me, step someone down. All the right, lane. Justin Trudeau, lick you, boom boom down. <laughs> this no. is
2: gonna be my what? new ringer. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't even. What I is that? Know. I mean, I, I
1: don't. Hey, look, know. anybody who's down, who's is understands patois, or uh, you know, let me know. Red. What's what's he really saying? Was was Snow Jamaican? Uh, no,
0: he was Canadian, and his last name O'Brien. Snow Brian.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is he Uh, your brother? Yes. (laughs) Kiss me. My way of coming out with that information. (laughs) Kiss me is oh, kiss me beneath the milky twilight. Lead me out on the moonlit floor. Lift your open hand. Strike up the band and make the fireflies dance. Silver moon sparkling. So kiss me. So not Sylvie Moose Barkley. Kind Again, like those are better. better. though Shout out to Charles Barkley.
0: Uh well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented comedian and podcast host, Sophia Alexandra.
2: Bruh, bruh, bruh. Bruh, Cancel me. Above me.
0: Sophia, how you been?
2: I've been great. I'm it's so great excited to have be you back. back here
0: Travel on the daily zeitgeist. You're, Thanks so much. You've been coming in for another show. That That's right. That's in cooking in the lab. Y'all cooking don't know, in the lab. <laughs> cooking in the lab
1: for so long. It's a oh.
2: it's a stew at this point. We're when just gonna
1: drop sixty episodes. A four twenty day fiance. Worry not, listeners. This show is real. It is fully cooked. This is the problem though. At this level, you know, you're dealing with high level contracts, palace intrigue, and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And when this shit comes out, there's been a
0: couple stabbings. Yeah. There's
1: been a few. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah.
2: all so I have to play. say is uh, I'm a tough negotiator. Yeah, you know?
1: uh, yeah. Ukrainians apparently aren't don't easy to, fuck to deal around.
2: With. Yeah, don't don't fuck <laughs> don't with fuck me around. if you want me to do a chill podcast about weed <laughs> <Yeah>. and 90 fiance. <laughs> I'm
1: not the
0: one.
2: Don't play. I don't play that. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better, but first we're gonna tell our listeners uh, what we're talking about today. We're gonna talk about. Uh, how people are working with slash against uh, border patrol agents yeah. to, to try and fuck that agency up a little bit. Uh, we're going to check in with just the latest, uh, kind of a more taking a step back, 100,000-foot view of the uh, whistleblower story. Uh, we're going to look at inequality in America, and then we're going to have a long-overdue update uh, of Mengazi. Mengazi. Uh, because we got some new texture on the Matt Lauer uh, allegations and James Franco allegations. So we're going to look at some of that. Uh, all of that and some footy drama. Footy drama. Wrote. Uh, we love it, mate. Uh, but first, Sophia, we like to ask our What is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are?
2: So I just uh, went to Mexico City with my podcasting partner, Courtney Kosak for Aww. our podcast, Private Parts Unknown. And... It struck me that I might wanna get a tattoo for every city we go to. Whoa. For oh, the cool. pod. Um Do you have t- t-
0: tattoos? tattoos?
2: Tattoos? Yeah. Yeah, I have uh four tattoos. Four tattoos. Nice. Um they're real small. They're more uh-huh. like tatties.
1: Uh tatties.
2: They're <laughs> little tatties. guys. <laughs> okay. Just little tatties. Um but yeah, so I was thinking what would be a good way? I don't want to do like flags or whatever. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, So I was thinking like, what if I do a flower? And then I'm like, but then I would get it for the country because the city doesn't have a flower. So then I Googled national flower of Mexico. It's the dahlia. What's the oh, dahlia? Um, dahlia. They have like a lot of petals. Yeah, they're, uh, really, they're pretty. really pretty. They're really
0: pretty. They look like... Uh, What's that? Like almost like sunflowers, but a different color they're, than
1: a sunflower. They're pink. And... Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. This thing, yeah. That's trippy. It looks like an IKEA lamp. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So anyway, I was like, should I get a dahlia tattoo? That was my last. Search. I
0: didn't know anything about the dahlia other than the murder. black dahlia murder. Yeah. And then I finally saw one uh, at a farmer's market, and they're really pretty. Bought some for our house. Got a lot of compliments on them. They're a pretty flower.
2: <laughs> Jack, that is the cutest story I've ever heard. <laughs> They're real, real pretty. I bought them Apparently, and, uh, they tat- really brightened tat- up my <laughs> home. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of our guests really, really yeah. felt welcomed. The aroma, I would say, was very pleasing. Yeah. And it complimented <laughs> my throat pillows. Yeah. Uh, Jack, you're <laughs> you the have cutest no idea.
0: Goes along with the color story and yeah. sort of <laughs> having here. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? CBD oil. What? I was, I was just told use to use it to...
2: Everybody says to use it for everything. Literally, I want to b- believe in it because I love the idea of it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, every time I give it to anyone or tried for anything, that shit does not work. Like my mom was having pains and I bought her this fucking fancy CBD emu cream. They're like, it's made with emu fat. It penetrates deeper. They're like, here's... It's a million dollars. I was like, all right, it's for my mom. I'm like, did it do anything? She's like, no. And anytime I'm like, oh, people are like, yeah, it helps with anxiety. I'm like, you should try it. And they're like, no. (laughs) No. Like, I don't really know what the fuck it does do.
1: Well, I think the most effective case for it was with anti-seizure applications. Mm. Because I remember that was like one of the big things where there were children who- I saw
2: that video too.
1: Well, not even the video. I mean, it was like, it's a- It was like a whole thing. No, but
2: there's like a bunch of videos that have gone viral showing of people putting CBD oil on like the feet, the bottoms of the feet of people who are having seizures and it helping and stuff.
1: Oh, on the bottoms of their feet? Interesting. Yeah,
2: and I've heard that it helps in like Parkinson's and my husband's dad has Parkinson's. Mm. So we've been, I've been giving him all the CBD and that shit does not do anything for him.
0: But your point being that CBD, oil, like people are constantly like, oh, have you tried CBD oil? Just in conversation and that's rarely a illness or like a malady that people are bringing up conversationally like, man, I keep having these Seizures. (laughs) Seizures. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't exactly. know what to do. Like, do Advil. The, and I'm not saying
2: that it doesn't work for right. anything. I'm right. just saying I don't think it works for, for most you. of the things we're right. trying to use it exactly. for casually, being like, oh, yeah, try for any of the 10 things Migraines? that are wrong with you.
1: Yeah, well, people love it, you know, because uh, th- there's so many CBD drinks everywhere, too. And I'm yeah. like, is this really how many of these do I have to drink to like yeah. catch the spirit? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Is that what you take medicine for to catch to the catch spirit? to catch the spirit? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. everybody knows that. Everybody knows uh, from my praise band I was in called Catch, catch the, the Spirit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I They take were it great. So um, you
2: love to wear white linen when you perform. It's like <laughs> I do. so beautiful. What's well, about
1: purity and it's about talking about coming to Jesus as in you know as you don't in have to tell me. Yeah. I've
2: only ever seen you as a God's virgin. Has Thank that
0: you. white linen shirt ever been buttoned up? No, no. no, it didn't no. seem like it. Yeah, well, you, you
1: know, it depends on how I'm feeling. But. Right.
2: It's That's a- how he gets new additions to the church.
1: Yeah. That's how I bring him in, yeah. But only those who are pure of heart. And obviously. he will find a gust
0: or a fan or something, just so that <laughs> just, that just to let it blow it behind open. him oh. a little bit.
1: If they just want to say, "Who's the king of the jungle? Who, who, who's the king of the sea? Bubble, <laughs> bubble, bubble. Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? His name is J E S U S. Yes. <laughs> wow. That sounds. Oh, let him know. Like a... Catch the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of jams we were rocking out to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that was wow. definitely a jam.
2: Uh, <laughs> what is something you
0: think is underrated, Sophia?
2: Um, well, what I think is underrated is um, Jungle Pussy.
0: Jungle Pussy, underrated the musical
2: artist, yeah. Ah,
0: uh,
1: okay.
2: And um, to make a point, I'm just gonna say two of my favorite lines. Okay, I love it. One is like Rihanna forehead, bitch, you gotta think big. <laughs> <laughs> is hilarious, and um. Papa Plan B, stop the family, your father not cute. That is <laughs> the funniest shit of all time. <laughs> That's really
1: good. <laughs> Those uh, are she got a new album yet? Out?
2: No, but I stay rocking to the old shit. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Where's she she's kinda young, or well, younger than us. Yeah. Everyone's younger than us these days. <laughs> <Our>
2: <laughs> grumpity Am I grumpity right, brother? Am I right? She also has that great <sighs> song trader Joe. Um, where she's like, uh, we don't fuck. He just picked me up from Trader Joe. <laughs> Carry all my groceries and lick on all my toes. I'm like, hey. yes, girl. Get it. You freak.
1: Also, I hope putting some of that Speculoos cookie butter on your feet. Ooh, Thank you. yeah. Thank you, Danny. He's uh, into pizza. <laughs> uh,
0: we all have that relationship in our life, don't we?
1: What? The, of someone the Trader Joe? To suck on your toes? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Our grocery
0: ride.
2: <laughs> That's
0: how I get to the grocery store. Uh, what, what is a myth? What's something people think is true, you know, to be false?
2: Um, so here's something that I thought before going to Mexico City. I thought that because uh, Mexico is such a Catholic country, that Mexico City probably wouldn't be a good place for to be queer. Oh. And I was totally wrong. Really? Um, uh, I met like a bunch of trans people, a bunch of genderqueer people, and they feel super safe living there. And um, one of the really interesting ways that they put it, they're like, you know, family is really big here. So uh, if you say no to someone in your family because of like their orientation, then like it's really hard to cut off like a part of yourself like that. So sometimes people still do do. It. It's not that there aren't any religious people. Sure, sure. But- I think because family is so important, people love each other so much. It's and general actually,
1: progress has like created a yeah, storm of acceptance.
2: Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. And um, I mean, progressive as fuck. And the artists are doing really interesting stuff. I talked to like a, a performance artist uh, who like does stuff where she puts like lipstick on her body mm-hmm. and then has people rub it off, and she's like, it's you know, it hurts my body and like it leaves a mark and like that's what patriarchy is and she's oh, just wow. fucking dope. And so all these, yeah, Mexico City's just insanely I know. interesting. so
1: many artists are like flocking down there too. Yeah. So I definitely know it's it got a scene. Mm-hmm. Is there any Mexico City zeitgang gang? Let us know. Yeah. If there Ooh, are. Holler. Uh, Maybe you can show maybe me. Maybe there's her. a lot. Maybe, maybe there's there's a show down there. You should. You know, no, Mexico be de safe. Efe
0: as I learned to call it in Espanol
1: seventh oh. grade. Pardon me, yes, sir. Um, how long were <laughs> we you guys down there?
2: Um, Pretty short, like a long weekend. Like, uh-huh. like Friday to Monday night.
1: Oh, shit. A little quick weekend warrior. Yeah,
2: but I mean, we did a shit ton of stuff in that time. And sure. now we can't wait to come back. And we met so many interesting people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm a pleasure activist. I work with sex workers. We're like, everybody we're meeting is the fucking coolest person
0: Right? Ever. Dang. Do you feel like you... Like, we're in a particularly progressive pocket, or you feel like they were kind of talking about overall, like Mexican culture?
2: Well, I think because of what we do for the podcast, and when we were looking for people to interview, we specifically are like, who has interesting love and sexuality stories in right. Mexico City? So, and then because of who our friends are and who their friends are, I think you kind of a little bit self selecting, right? You know, because we are progressive people and, you know, we have. Friends that are trans and non-binary and artists, like that's who our friends are going to introduce us to. So I feel like that's true. But we asked them on their own, yeah, what's it like? Yeah. And I mean, I talked to a 21-year-old who has a girlfriend, and she's totally cool with him just cross-dressing, and that's all he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And his like point of view on it was like, I never understood how women felt until I was dressed as a woman and got treated as a woman. Mm. Oh, and it's just a real, like, mind blowing. I'm like, this is that's the most progressive shit I've ever heard. This 21 year old is like schooling me. Right. So, yeah. Dang,
1: these kids are, everyone's younger than us. And, and so better. much cooler than us. Fuck.
2: We're like old fucking phones that will not boot up with like the <laughs> <when> new. <you, laughs> we're flip phones. You, yeah, we're like, uh, there's no pictures on Y'all this wanna thing. You want to play Snake? Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested,
0: like, that'll be interesting to see on your podcast as you, like, look at different cultures, which, because I, I wonder how much of America is unique. Like, America, because it, it is this culture that doesn't really have a uh, history, like, a long history, uh, I feel like there's more of a tendency towards extreme religion and also, like, not having, like, strong family I guess, mm-hmm. strong family. Well, I think those ties values. typically
1: come from people who like migrate to this country. Exactly. Like yeah. you're bringing those here. And that's sort of like what the, you know, the melting pot. Right. As Alexi de Tocqueville. Oh, and said.
2: that's one thing that also people kept telling us. They're like, you know, this is a true melting pot of like three different cultures. Yeah. And they're like in a lot of places, you know, um, doesn't happen what happened here. And the tour guy put it like this. He's like, everybody came here and everybody fucked each other. Right. and he's like it's a true melting pot. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody's kind of tied into everybody else and the history is very deep and um and you know, all the food, they're like, oh, this is from this country. This is from this country. Right. This is how this got incorporated. And it, it's it is a true melting pot. It was pretty pretty insane. And yeah. it's one of the biggest cities in the world. I think second biggest maybe.
0: Right. It's enormous. Huge. Uh awesome. Well, uh where can people hear hear about that?
2: It's gonna um be a- Private parts unknown. We're oh, on the yeah. Pleasure Podcast Network. Pleasure.
0: Uh, all right. Let's talk about something slightly positive to start things off because I came in today really, really bleak, guys. It's a storm Sad. cloud. Uh, His hair was
1: a storm cloud.
0: <laughs> uh, so let's talk about something that somebody's doing that seems like a good idea yeah. using kindness constructively.
1: Well, you know, I've, we talked a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, about that New York Times piece that was a profile on CB, CBP, not CBD, uh, <laughs> right. Customs and Border Patrol agents, to sort of get a general take on like what it's like there, where many people are like, it's fucking terrible. It's a terrible place to work as a woman. There are many people who are just fucking like, terrible people. There are also people who are there who hate the fact that this is their job. But have
0: they tried CBD oil?
1: I don't know. <laughs> because I feel like that would maybe help some of the I, things. We're I, it's about. worth worth noting, right. um, And also just the idea that there are people where the morale is just so low because, like, they go to work and they have to interact with children who are just crying for their parents and things like that, and the psychologically that's taking a toll. Um, and then you know a lot of it we were also talking about. Most of us sort of the idea is like, man, these people are fucking. They suck or whatever. Why can't they just do something else? And then you know we talked about how. You can't. Not many people just have the ability to fucking quit a job because they're philosophically opposed to it. Because the way this system is set up, you must work to live. And if you are not working, then you could perish quite quickly, or your life, your living situation could turn very dark very quickly. So the Never Again Action Group, their immigrant rights group, that's spearheaded by a lot of Jewish activists, about this idea of like not separating families, you know, akin to the Holocaust. They were really trying to figure out because they do a lot of activities outside of ice facilities and things like that. Uh, a lot of the people around it were thinking like, it's not. A lot of the times they chant, "Quit your job, quit your job," and then we're kind of realizing like that's just kind of not enough right. either. So it's on sort Monday, of dismissive
0: to the people themselves. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. on
1: Monday they were thinking like, okay, what can we actually do? So they launched a website that would match ice agents with confidential career advisors like you would in college that's to amazing. try and find a way for you to get another job so you can fucking quit this disastrous evil organization yeah um and they said from that launch like two people immediately like hit them up from right. outside the like atlanta area where they were first trying to like get people to uh like sort of notice this project but they said yeah those people who came out uh, we just immediately like, yeah, I don't want to be, I do absolutely do not want to work here anymore. And they, the comment that one of the per- people left who was interacting with the website confidentially said something like I'm drowning in this place. So, you know, I think there is this idea that we think that every person that works there is just a automaton who's hell bent on doing harm. And I think there are some people who are, but there are very much also people who, you know, like we were saying too, like, border patrol in certain areas is a very quick ticket to the middle, to a middle class lifestyle uh like with very like you could just have a high school education and start making you know decent money so you know shout out to them for using yeah. you know sensible tactics because again i think one thing we've learned throughout this whole week is that money fucking makes everything move it, yeah. people don't it doesn't values are they don't ma- they don't matter because at the end of the day it's nothing works without money yeah. i also
2: just want to say that i think the way that, like, becoming complicit and evil works is mm-hmm. it happens kind of in a certain way slowly, but then you're like, what the fuck? Sure. Right. And I think, you know, it just, it does, you're mentioning the Holocaust, it, like, totally makes you think about the Germans that lived in Nazi Germany that weren't, like, gung-ho Nazis, but then... Right. We're also caught there and I don't think anybody came and was like, "Hey, this this is your ticket out of the Nazi party or whatever," <laughs> which yeah. is Yeah,
1: well, unless it was like uh be a defector or something right. and a, consp- a conspirator and be executed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So,
2: and I feel like giving these people a way to leave something that is like so I mean, be, be, someone making you complicit in evil is fucked up. Right. So, giving someone a way out, I think is like actually a a real way to work at the problem as opposed to just be like this is fucked up
1: well i mean it definitely helps weaken that agency but i think yeah the real solutions have to come from up further up but i think that's where we're at right. least giving acknowledging the humanity of people who are in a situation they probably also don't want to be in right and mm-hmm. that there are people like that again and they're also evil yeah. fucking sure, monsters of course who are out here getting off on watching children cry
0: yeah or who are When journalists come in, be like, "Oh,
1: so you write fake
0: news? Oh, right. So you write for the fake news? Why don't you admit? No, propaganda. Propaganda. Yeah, yeah. You have to
1: admit that that's what you do, and you won't, and you'll get your passport back. Yeah. It's like I'm sorry. That happened to
0: a journalist named Ben Watson, uh, I think at LAX or maybe JFK. Um, So I hear some propaganda. Suck my shit. Yeah, that is some propaganda for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and it's time to sort of check in with the whistleblower uh,
1: ongoing this used to be my alarm saga. Was it? <laughs> it was. That's mm-hmm. fucking dope. Right, did you have a flashback to when you had alarms? <laughs>
2: yeah. just Well, no, on my phone.
1: Oh, just in general, that was always That's your alarm my alarm. alarm. You're like, it was in right the morning.
2: Now. No, now it's no diggity, no doubt.
1: Oh, something a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the mm-hmm. beginning. Blow the part. whistle does make you feel mm-hmm. in a
2: good mood, though. Yeah. When you wake like, up right away. Yeah. Does it?
1: Like, I've had I've noticed when I used to wake up to an alarm, the song that would wake me up was ruined because I because hated you my alarm. we mad at it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's a whole other show. Uh, what are you saying about our constitutional democracy falling apart? Yeah. So right. now, I'm just kidding.
0: I I feel like we need to take a step back. Like I, you know, just kind of. Through Osmosis taking in like what the media is saying right now, it seems like they're treating this like another Trump scandal, sort of rather um, than
1: we've we're crossing the Rubicon.
0: Right. Rather than this is like even even on the left, the Democrats are treating it like I mean, this is we've only had three, four impeachments, three impeachments in the history of the country. I don't I don't even think that's giving it the pro like I think this is outside of u.s history like you can't judge it on the continuum of u.s history because that's not who this is this is a dictator trying to sweep to power and end the country as we know it and he's not gonna stop until he's done that or he's in prison like it doesn't matter it i i know like a lot of people are just like it's really easy to underrate him or or, or just like be like ah he's an idiot but whether he's you know just exactly the right type of idiot for this moment or he's like a genius he's effective at what he's doing and it seems I just got the feeling in the past 24 hours like he's successfully weathering the fact that he admitted to cheating on an election that's currently going on and that's like so stark like that's that's the whole thing. That's the whole system, like, and and the things that are supposed to check him are the media and Congress, and he's basically rendered them moot at this point. And we're still—I feel like we're still treating like that. That's what seems different this time to me. Is Congress just has proven like there? There's nothing that can be done. Well, about right this. because
1: we're. We're up against somebody who literally doesn't give a fuck about the law. Right. Like in and, and that letter, right? Where he was like telling Congress, he's like, I'm not fucking with this. Imp-. Like literally it was like, I'm not really feeling this. So right. go on. Like we're, I'm not going to do anything. Right. And the way the language that's being used, right. Characterizing like the impeachment thing he's calling in that letter right it says never before in our history has the house of representatives under the control of either political party taken the american people down the dangerous path you seem determined to pursue so that is saying i'm diametrically opposed to a constitutionally uh, sanctioned uh yeah uh ability or power granted to the congress and then saying then to try and spin this as overturning the election is another thing. Like we're going into, we're not actually acknowledging what's happening. It's all trying to obscure what's actually going on. And it's kind of like that idea. I always bring up the same thing from history of like when the Vikings pulled up to continental Europe. Yeah. They were used to just smashing motherfuckers and taking their shit. Yeah. And they came to Europe and they saw fucking monasteries and shit where there was a lot of money, gold or whatever, that were being protected by monks who were uh, like relying on people's faith or fear of god right to deter people from t- going into the fucking places and stealing everything and smashing shit up the vikings pulled up they have they don't have that context right they said this is it yeah watch me smash the fuck out of y'all and yeah. take this shit and that's where we were like what the fuck people used to have the fear of god in them right and now we are we are fully in this mode now where other people might have been like Ah oh, shit, okay, a subpoena. That that I should probably follow right. that because you know the law He's and-
0: not going to respond to that stuff. Like, I don't I I don't have a solution other than that everybody needs to start taking it like way more seriously and recognize it as the you know existential threat that it is. But he is he's told us who he is. He's a dictator. We're going to, if he gets away with this. We're going to be letting him get away with being a dictator. Uh, we haven't had one of those in American history. The precedent is other dictators and how their regime started in other countries. That's who he wants to be. That's who our institutions are letting him be, or you know, not trying to let him be, but the media, the mainstream media, like he's basically invalidated them with the whole multi-year fake news thing. Uh, Electoral politics he's invalidating by being able to use the powers of the presidency to cheat on the election and the other branches of government. They're just not holding up. And we keep expecting them to come in and prove we're different from history and we're different from those other countries that became dictatorships. And that doesn't seem to be happening. Like that, there needs to be a change in order for. That to happen because otherwise like that's he's not going to go away if if he gets away with this he's not going away next year and I don't think he's going away five years from now if he's still alive I think he's going to you know the more we let him act like a dictator who gets to strong arm everyone Mm -hmm. and every uh, institution the more the more rope he's going to take the more he's going to do that and the harder he's going to be to get away
1: yeah. Uh, to get out of the office. I think the hard thing is hearing, you know, Republicans or at least Lindsey Graham being like, "I'm trying to get all the Republicans to sign a letter in the Senate, basically saying we won't, we absolutely won't take this seriously in the Senate." And I think we also need to really, really begin looking more critically. I mean, not that people aren't already, but also looking at who exactly is enabling this too. Because as much as we focus on like, why is Trump doing this? Why is this all, all this other shit happening too? We should be probably demonstrating in front of the offices in front of these senate republicans because these are the people who truly are allowing this to happen they're sort of saying well this is my team i'm because we've gone into such our own corners and to to such an extent where we're over not allowing ourselves or they are not allowing themselves to see the threat that this person poses uh we need to begin to hold their feet to the fire too and i think that's something that's actually missing a lot of the reporting is like oh my God, the, can, can you believe the Justice Department doing this and this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, hold on. What about the senators who are st- like just standing idly by and creating this atmosphere for Trump to flourish in too? And I think we, that's another point of rot that has to be addressed. Um, and a little bit more like emphasis on that too, because you know this is happening everywhere in the world right now too. There right. are many countries at the same time who are being like, we're pushing back against the corruption we're seeing. It's happening in Puerto Rico. It's happening in Ukraine. It's happening in fucking Bolivia. It's happening in Haiti. It's happening in Iraq. It's happening in Hong Kong. It's There are fucking so many places where people, Egypt, where they're saying, yo, y'all are fucking us, the people. Right. What What's good here? Yeah. And I think that's a point where I'm not sure Americans are quite at that, you know, the, the beauty of this system is that they've deceived us as voters and citizens into thinking this is the best thing that's going on and everything is pure. Right. And now we're at that point now where all that fucking corruption and rot is we're now seeing in the form of ineffective governance, ineffective checks and balances. The only thing they trying to do is check their balances. Uh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, like and, their bank account. Exactly. Uh, but it's, This is sort of, (laughs) this is the byproduct of all of this now. And we're actually, I I don't know what could, I don't know what kind of sea change could happen among American people. Yeah, I think think, we're in more danger than
0: the mainstream like sort of assumption on either side seems to realize we are.
1: Well, because I think the Democrats seem to be like, oh, okay, you're going to really just uh, fucking say not on to this. Right. But then so what? It's like, yes. Then they did. Now what?
2: I just don't think I mean, people say this all the time about the Democrats, like not enough backbone.
1: Right, but I'm guessing this is the part now. What, what remedies do we have within our Constitution to have a? How do you swing back on this? Right, because what? How do you answer illegality with what more illegality? Yeah, because the the I mean, really, the only shot we have, or people are thinking, is like, well, we'll just have to sue, and then the Supreme Court will ultimately decide. But do we really have faith in these people cuz we've seen over the, you know, last mm-hmm. few decades that just become a fucking, you know, the the coaching staff for the new corporatocracy like, "Yeah, get get our people who, you know, vote in our favor there." Yeah. Right. So I don't know. It's it's it does seem bleak. But then I'm curious like, as we say with money, what happens when the money gets weird? What happens when the economy does really terribly? Because already the deficit's up, what, 68% than when Trump took office? Yeah. The farm bailout is already twice the auto bailout. But
0: it's, I mean, I, do, I don't think we can count on the recession to come save us. Like, No, what, that's what I'm know? saying. I don't know. And, like, al-
2: and also remember how easy it is to spin like shit. It doesn't really matter what the facts yeah. are to this administration. What, to the
1: people, right? No, the- but,
2: but that's what they get sold. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, just because... Um, Obama, when he was in office, uh, reduced unemployment and did so well for the economy and it transferred over to Trump's Term doesn't mean that Trump is good for the economy, but they will spin it like that for no. But I'm, I'm not. It's but I'm not, saying this is the same thing that if it starts failing, they can be like, "Well, we're dealing with the Democratic policies still from Obama. That's really what the problem sh- is." Yeah, you know? but I'm
1: not talking about how you spin the recession to voters. I'm talking about the moneyed class in this country that are truly at the levers of power. The people who are like, "Yeah, let me get those tax cuts." The people who are really pillaging the, like the country, and I think. There's a lot at stake for those people too, because at the end of the day, their God is money. We saw that with the NBA. We see that with other video game companies, all the China stuff that's going on. No one wants to threaten their revenue streams. So I'm curious if at a certain point, those have been the moments where people have been like, oh, geez, this trade war is fucking us up. What are we going to do? Like, is there a point where that moneyed banking class, the investment bankers of the world, the corporations of the world, it gets un- becomes untenable for them i don't
0: it seems like everything he does is ends up actually benefiting the very very wealthiest and most powerful people like mm-hmm. yeah it's fucking the farmers but it's not necessarily fucking people who are viewing things from like a macroeconomic level and just kind of looking at america as an economic competitor to China, like there that's sort of how he's viewing it too. And you know, his tax cut is bad for the overall economy, but uh it's good for the wealthiest, like the absolute the 40 wealthiest households in America. And right. like so it, it seems like I don't know. I, I I did hear a political scientist uh talk about how He thinks that the only thing that people were reacting to in past impeachments was the economy. So like Clinton, we look back more like people just didn't care about the sexual mores. But when you actually asked them about that, people were like not happy with Clinton, but they were just the economy was moving in the right direction. And so they their opinion basically followed the economy. And the economy is doing well right now. So he doesn't see opinion changing on this story unless the economy starts going in the shitter. Uh, And I I guess, you know, it's debatable whether the economy is doing well. But his take is that like the stock market and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas Nixon, like his, the big public opinion turnabout uh, actually happened right as the economy was hitting the shitter. So it's... Like, those things need to, I guess, align with one another uh, in order for something to to change, is his theory. Right.
2: It's also that everything's been at an 11 for, like, a couple of years. Right. So people have run out of outrage. And, like, I'm definitely not the first person to say that. But people, I, I don't know how you get people interested in the, like, increasingly horrible dictator moves that are happening in this country when they've already been like, what the fuck is happening for, for years?
0: Yeah. I think that is really a good point. I think that is what we're seeing right now is just that people like, there's no sense of proportion anymore because we've spent the last year, you know, being told everything is life and death and, you know, because it kind of is, but he just has a, a tendency to just, take up all the oxygen in the news cycle and so it's it is exhausting and we've talked before just from a historical perspective how in the early 30s when the nazis swept to power and we're doing all this outrageous stuff all the headlines were about that uh but by the time they you know started the holocaust and started invading other countries none of the headlines in germany or like And even surrounding countries were about that because people were just fucking tired of it. They resigned to the fact that that's what it was. And it was just years and years of reading those headlines and you can only write the same story. It's almost like a hack in the time-space continuum where it's just like, yeah, just keep doing the same shit over and over and over again. And it's sort of like Trump's thing where he accuses his enemy of the thing that he has done bad so that when they find out what he's done bad, he, you know, there's just people have already heard that word a hundred times and it's just kind of losing all meaning.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one, I think the one thing I can feel somewhat good about is that some of the other cases that are floating through the courts are absolutely not going Trump's way. And They are getting orders on certain things to do, you know, like right now there's this whole idea of them trying to keep the, some of the grand jury material from the Mueller report away from Congress. And their argument was the, the judge was asking like, so do you think in in the Watergate like impeachment, they shouldn't have had this material, but like, like law enforcement and these other people should. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. They shouldn't have had that in the Nixon era. And the judge's response was... Wow. Okay, <laughs> that's a very interesting argument. Right. Like, and I can't believe I'm hearing this. Yeah. So I think they're because that's the thing, though, too. When it gets to court, there are moments where they are absolutely just trying to rewrite the law in a way that makes no sense because it's purely a stalling tactic. It's not based in any legal argument. Right. A lot of this, a lot of the stalling tactics. Are, I mean, I'm sure they've they found clever ways to try and maneuver things, but for the most part, a lot of these things. Are there because they just they're like, look, we'll just take a ridiculous take. We'll try and run out the clock. Maybe they won't be able to get a vote on impeachment till closer to the election, and then they won't take a vote because then they don't want some of the vulnerable people in the House or Senate to have to have that on their record and answer for that. There's just like, uh, d- there's just a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's hard to know because clearly the Congress is unable to be a check on the power of the executive at this point. So. I guess we'll see what the judiciary does.
0: Right. Hopefully one of the three. But if not, and- I mean,
1: I think it's true. That's something people really do need to understand. Like what, you know, this isn't a uniquely Trump thing. This has been America since, you know, its inception uh, of this sort of imbalance. Right. And I think it's easier when like the times were really good in the in the middle of this last century, up until the end of this, uh, up until the beginning of this one, and as people are becoming starting to see what is really happening, you'd hope that we can tap into some kind of sense of outrage to try and restore some kind of balance. But that's why it's important to look at the kind of candidates we want to run, also, right? Because ultimately, the business as usual type people who are here to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm here for you know small government and blah blah blah," it's like that's not clear enough. And I think right. you're just a pod person caping right. for a corporatocracy. Like right. we need we need to actually put human beings back into these positions. But yeah, it's a fucking, it's a long ass process and a terrible evolution we're having to witness in slow motion
0: right now. But, you know, we've successfully done long processes that got us things that we then immediately started taking for granted. But, uh, you know, it can be done. I did want to talk really briefly. There was a chart that I was talking about earlier this week uh, about basically the tax rate as it applies to different income groups. And it kind of shows the evolution over time. And, you know, in 1950, it goes up in an up direction. So the people who are the richest 400 households in the United States are paying the highest tax rate. Uh, And then it just steadily goes in the opposite direction until... Uh, this past year, 2018, uh, the top 400 households are paying the lowest tax rate because of loopholes and just various things they're able to exploit. Um, and there, the article that that chart appears in explains how Trump's tax cut has uh, affected, you know, middle class and poor families basically keeping their taxes flat and You know, meanwhile, wealthier families and the wealthiest families have seen just enormous returns. So it's going even more in that direction. Yeah. And this is as America is seeing uh, wealth imbalance and income imbalance uh, inequality on level with like, you know, developing nations or third world countries or whatever phrase you use. And
1: uh, that guy, Tom Hartman, is like an economist and, you know, general. Cake machine uh, was talking about how you know there's a multi-million dollar effort through these news organizations and through Facebook to create people who are going to buy this mentality or this idea that we need wealthy people and we need to keep their taxes low and all these myths that help to keep trickle down economics right and all these ideas whether it's distraction and blaming other people that keep a very large group of Americans locked into this mentality that this is fine, like voting against your interests, that there's no such thing as voting against your interests. And that's a very interesting point because that is something that has been cultivated over time because these are the exact people who you can say, I know you're you're mad about these costs of living and these, these this, this, that, and the other, but are you willing to actually see who you're voting for and what the policies that they enact actually do to you? Yeah. And then, but that's part of the, I mean... To a certain level, it's also happening on the left in terms of just sort of blindly following your side or whatever, but specifically to be like voting against your own interests like this is also a part of the grand plan as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean the left is growing and growing, so I don't know how much that's blindly following, you know, as much as it's Well, just I just mean people. more like
1: there are people who are just blindly will take – listen to takes of centrist or neoliberal talking points right? And not really yeah begin to examine them. I think that in and of itself is a form of people just sort of droning off. But then there's a very other specific brand too, where it's like, let's not look about, let's not think about corruption or what these people were voting in, what they do. It's more like, hey man, we're just trying to make America great. Let's keep that shit vague.
0: Yeah. But anyways, that chart and this op-ed is part of a review of a book called The Triumph of Injustice that is about how really wealthy people and companies have found ways to not pay taxes and how that is a huge, you know, injustice that has actual impacts on, you know, the lives of people and people's ability to live happy, healthy lives that are just not die. Um, And I think it's being released next week, but it's, you know, they do have solutions in the book that are about how to adapt the tax code. And, I think some of the Democratic candidates in the 2020 election are actually adopting some of their suggestions. I think Elizabeth Warren's uh, tax plan is actually pretty heavily influenced by these two award-winning economists.
2: I think it's also an attitude, like and a mentality thing, because when uh, when we went to Helsinki for the podcast, like the thing that struck us so much is that. The government there invests in their citizens. Mm-hmm. They think that's one of their greatest strengths, right, is having that and caring about their people. So, uh, providing infrastructure to support that, not to just say that it—that's how their government yeah. works. And then it's not an accident that that that's considered to be the happiest country in the world, right? <laughs> it's because they're not looking at their citizens as a piggy bank, right? You know, or as a resource to exploit. They're looking at their citizens as a resource. Period.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean that. I just think that it's dishonest to pretend that the you know that America isn't completely different from that, and that you know the the extremely wealthy are aren't you know basically robbing the country blind. Like right. that, that's yep. what has happened. Well, if
1: you just look right, like even in twenty fourteen. McDonald's workers in Denmark made $20 an hour. Right. 20 USD an hour. Yeah. And here, we're still out here trying to be like, can we get 15? Right. And if you really think of like, you know, back in uh, probably 2008 or something in this book called Screwed uh, about how like the middle class has been dismantled again by Tom Hartman raises this point of like, if you really actually tied CEO pay to minimum wage around the time he wrote that book. C- a minimum wage should have been $25 an hour. So right. probably now at this point minimum wage should probably be 35 an hour. If right. we're talking about if it's if we're if the workers are going to be paid proportionally to what the CEOs how exponential their growth is and in their income, right. then that's what minimum wage should should be. Right. And I think a lot of people don't really take into account that we are fucking getting suckered by right. people that are this wealthy. It's like, well, you know, if, you, if people work uh, 40 hours a week, you got to give them an hour lunch or something, blah, blah, blah. Well, then maybe they'll work 38 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And how these cor- people cut these fucking corners at the cost of our own quality of life. And I think that's really, hopefully people really get in touch with w- the true class warfare that is actually going on in this country and, and, it, and a lot of the development.
2: And world. it's tied into the healthcare system. Yeah. It's tied into the schools and the prison. It's all of it. Yeah. Our focus should be on how can we make our citizens the most happy and have the most enriched lives. Right. Instead of how can we get the most money out of them? We don't care if they die. We don't want to take care of them. If they're sick, fuck you. Well, because yeah.
1: all well, how much is it going to cost?
2: Yeah. How much is it going to cost? That's all it comes down Again, to. Right.
1: Because the prophets are the fucking God.
0: But yeah. the, how much is it going to cost is. Like that's an important part of the thing is that the reason we don't have as much money to pay for these things is because the richest one percent are actually not paying their fair share. Right. Yep. Not even close to it. Like it, so this book with these two economists suggest a, you know, progressive tax code that's more in line with Uh, the tax code at the outset of like America's greatest period of prosperity. The last time uh, it was as imbalanced as it currently is was right before the Great Depression. So take that for what it is. But uh, they just say, you know, bring in the richest. uh, 1% would roughly have to pay double the tax rate that they're paying now, or 60%, uh, which would bring in $750 billion a year, or 4% of GDP, enough to pay for universal pre-K, an infrastructure program, medical research, clean energy, and yeah, they point out those are the kinds of policies that lift economic growth because like you said, you're treating your citizens uh, like assets, like you know, things to be invested in as yeah. opposed to things
1: to be exploited. like Or barnacles that you need to scrape off the hull of the SS predatory profit.
2: Right. SS U.S. dollar.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to... Talk about footballers' wives. And we're back. And, Miles, let's get right into the footy drama
1: oh, alert.
0: Because uh, I, I need, I need it's this explained men, oh, to right now,
1: man. Okay. It's okay. So, <laughs> in the UK, they refer to the wives and girlfriends of footballers as wags okay Mm -hmm. that's what they call them wags over there and right now there's a what does does that stand for wives and girlfriends got it okay they call them
2: that here too
1: oh did they adopt that now yeah it's for a long
2: time they had a wags show on tlc or Bravo or something like that oh really Mm
1: -hmm. hey um so right now the drama is between the wives of two england strikers well not anymore for wayne rooney uh wayne rooney who famously played for manchester united (laughs) and for DC United and Jamie Vardy who plays for Leicester City uh and is a very interesting character just some background on Jamie Vardy he, is he still good cuz he's all right i mean he's not nearly as good as the season when Leicester won the league in 2015 2016 okay. um but around this guy he like it was kind of the dude at certain points he had to play with an ankle, ankle monitor on uh, for some shit he got into. Oh, he, like a police ankle monitor. Yes, What yes. kind of shit did he get into? I think it may have been drink driving or something as they call it in the UK. Drink um, driving. And also uh, Wayne Rooney also, uh, he's been he's been cheating a lot on his wife. A lot of drink driving over there too. Um, but interesting fact about Jamie Vardy, there was a in his book, he had like a dead leg that he couldn't get over and the physio was like, what the fuck is going on with you, bro? Like we're rehabbing, you're resting. And he find out this dude has just been drinking a bunch of vodka. uh and so what he would do is he would fill up like a three liter bottle of vodka with only red and purple skittles because Uh he liked the flavor and that was like his fucking vibe uh and he also famously would wait he would do that before playing or like i think like whenever like that was just part of his shit i mean he would drink a ton of red bull before playing um and famously took a shit while playing arsenal uh in the middle of a match wait Um, what do
2: you mean like on the field
1: No, 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 he like left, (laughs) like went down the top. I was like, how come this isn't
2: a bigger deal? You shit on the field? I need more.
1: Another thing is he would say in the season that his team won in 2015 to 16, he would drink basically a a bottle of like half Gatorade, half port.
2: What? Every
1: night. That was his pre-match drink. Or the night before and then the day of, he would drink a double espresso and three cans of Red Bull. Damn. Anyway, so he's on his own vibe. So back to the lecture at hand.
0: Red Bull is so bad for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Rebecca. Unless they want to sponsor us. So his wife, Rebecca <laughs> Vardy and Colleen Rooney, wife of Wayne Rooney, are into some shit right now because the, uh, Colleen Rooney was noticing a lot of shit from her personal life was ending up in the sun, the tabloid over there, and couldn't understand because she had her own like private Instagram account that was only for people she knew personally. So she was like, how the fuck is shit I'm talking about on here ending up there? So she concocted a little fucking experiment to
2: see how uh, where the leak would go. Yeah.
1: So she started on her stories. She blocked everyone she followed or that was following her except for one woman, Rebecca Vardy. OK. And was like and for five months started putting in bullshit stories to see if any of them would end up in the sun. Like so she's like, oh, my basement flooded or this other thing like she went to Mexico to for some kind of experimental thing where she would be able to select the gender of her child when she was pregnant. And these things made it into the sun. So then, I think yesterday, Rebecca
2: Vardy, yeah, she came
1: out with it and was like, "So, let me gather around, kids. I've been doing this experiment because a lot I've noticed a lot of disturbing things have been showing up in the tabloids. And for five months, I've been doing this thing, and it's Rebecca Vardy and her excuse. Boom. Now I will read the defense that Rebecca Vardy tweeted out for this kind of." you know, uh, underhandedness. She says, as I have just said to you on the phone, I wish you had called me if you thought this. I never speak to anyone about you as various journalists who have asked me to over the years can vouch for. If you thought this was happening, you could have told me and I could have changed my passwords to see if it stopped. Over the years, various people have had access to my Insta. And just this week, I found I was following people I didn't know and have never followed
2: in my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Stupid.
1: I'm not being funny, but I don't need the money. What would I gain from selling stories on you? I liked you a lot, Colleen, and I'm so upset that you have chosen to do this, especially when I'm heavily pregnant. I'm disgusted that I'm even having to deny this. You should have called me the first time this happened. Heartbreak emoji. Yeah. Do we think? Bullshit. I think when you start doing the, I mean, I'm starting to follow accounts I've never seen. Come on, fam. Right. It's just, uh, you love to see it, though.
2: You really do. <laughs> I Wait, like so it when her, a juicy secret comes out mm-hmm. like that. Mm.
0: Her story is that somebody broke into her account, found out about this other woman's
2: private Instagram
0: life.
1: posts. Uh-huh, maybe
0: by following her. So someone broke into her account to follow someone else. I guess if and get secrets about their private life and then sold those secrets to the sun. Maybe if if we're living in her world. Huh. That's a t- it's a tough sell. Yeah, it's a hard bargain. That is
2: no good.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I'm not buying it.
2: Come up with a better lie, Doc. Colleen.
1: Yeah. Well, the uh, no, Colleen is the the victim here. Colleen, Rebecca. You <laughs> but you know, a victim. Don't, I don't play know. the
0: victim, Colleen, Colleen Rooney.
1: Yo, Wayne's been doing her dirty for a long time. Like, Damn, when she was man. pregnant, he yeah, was like you... sleeping around on her, having like threesomes and shit. So she's been. She's been through it. His name's
2: Wayne Rooney. This is on her. Yeah,
1: he had terrible hair plugs. You do
2: not marry a guy named
0: that. I thought he was in his 50s. You did? Yeah, just just legitimate. based on like I had seen him like many years, like a decade ago, Mm -hmm. and I think it was during one of the World Cups when he was like the best player on England's team, Uh and I was like, oh, well, that guy must be very old. No, he's at that time and now he must be like in, playing on the
1: singers tour or whatever. yeah, uh, he'll be thirty, I think four this year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's dominant. He's scored some pretty wild goals in the MLS, uh, which people tend to do when they come over from Europe. But um, so this is like if the
0: Shaq Damian Lillard beef were their wives. Yeah,
1: kind of maybe. I mean, and a little bit messier. I don't know what their beef is to begin with, really. Right. Um, but I do know that there is an interesting stat for the amount of minutes Wayne Rooney and Jamie have already played together on the pitch. They never created a goal scoring chance for the other player. Yeah. So
0: that's true, man. Not a
1: lot of harmony in that's, that that three line squad. That's how you know. Yeah. That's how you know
0: exactly. Right. Uh, any thoughts on this, Sophia?
2: I mean, just too many almost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just a mess yeah it's a mess and it's i don't i really don't know if rebecca vardy was like trying to make money or she just really hated you know there's got to be something else right like if rebecca vardy really was and i believe she probably was the one obviously the least she just probably enjoyed fucking
2: her friend over
1: was it her friend or was it one of those things where she's like it's all because you didn't come to my baby shower type shit or like you fucking shaded me at this restaurant
2: Right, they could
0: obviously. They're competitively be that. fucking the best soccer player in England.
1: Well, I wouldn't go that far. You wouldn't? No,
0: they're not. Oh, were they? they ever? Their
1: peaks weren't at the same time. Oh, okay. So it was hard. Like Jamie Vardy had his time a few years ago, and Wayne Rooney had his like seven years ago. Right. So, right. But I'm
0: just wondering if she was like
1: feeling. But I guess historically, right? Like Wayne Rooney was. The so man, and then when Jamie Vardy had his huge season, then he became the man. So maybe, right. since there and were two was like, man's yeah. on the block. Uh, okay, all right, well, shout out to the England shout band out to up. them. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: let's check in with the ongoing uh, Mengazi <laughs> story. Uh, we haven't checked in for a while, but Ronan Farrow's book is dropping. I love uh, him. the 15th of October, and it's got some details in it that are horrifying. Our- is the book specifically about Matt Lauer? The book's about the whole thing.
1: About what whole thing?
0: But the whole uh Weinstein. Oh, Lauer, just uh, Got, got, the need it, got to it, got it, got it. Okay. Right.
1: Broke. But he he w-
0: <clears throat> he was the one who broke the Lauer News. Right, right, right. And in fact, he was at NBC News when he was building the Weinstein story. And NBC News oh, right. was Kent who was Sheldon, trying right? to block the story. Right. And there's some actual amazing. Quotes from the book and on that subject uh, it says from this uh, variety article, the book paints NBC News executives as obstructive in his Weinstein investigation uh, as Farrow amassed his reporting about Weinstein uh, Oppenheim, Noah Oppenheim, who was the head of NBC News, asked him, like, is this really worth it? Oh, my God. And suggested no one knows who Weinstein is. Uh, okay. Farah was eventually told Amazing. to stop reporting the story because it was under review at NBC Universal. This is a Steve Burke decision. It's an Andy decision, uh, Richard Greenberg, the head of NBC News' investigative unit, told him. Uh, and so since he didn't believe NBC would ever run his story, he took it to The New Yorker and promptly won a Pulitzer. Wow. So good call on that one, dipshit.
1: Yeah. Well, um, see, and again, you see the the kinds of people in positions of power that keep this kind of shit in place yeah all the people at nbc news you have someone who's being like this needs to be reported and people dragging their feet and enabling this shit yeah so you
2: love how good ronan farrow though is is at at his job yes oh yeah he's like a fucking hound dog he's like what's that the scent of injustice bam solved it (laughs) followed it right to the source
0: yeah um
1: So what is this new... The Lauer Lauer. thing
0: basically is it's going from he was having all sorts of extramarital affairs all over the desks at NBC uh, News to a rape allegation. Uh, The colleague that he... He's so smug. Right. So, uh, and his statement is just the smuggest shit that you've ever, uh, heard. But so basically the colleague was drunk and they were hooking up and she said no to a certain sex act and he just went and did it anyways. Uh, and she says, first of all, she was too drunk to consent. And second of all, he, you know, raped her. Uh, and
1: and his defense is like, it was consensual, basically, yeah, it was, so... Yeah, it
0: was consensual, and here, let me describe in detail what sex acts we uh, an engaged
2: Jesus. in. What What a dick.
0: One of the really brutal details is that she was still at NBC News when Lauer was fired, and she was made to sit in meetings where people uh, who probably knew she was the accuser were, like, casting doubt on her account and Jesus. defending Lauer. And... Fuck. Yeah, NBC... Eventually, paid her a seven figure settlement uh, after putting her on medical leave and asked her to uh, release a statement saying she was leaving to pursue other interests and that NBC News had been an example of how to properly handle sexual assault in the workplace.
1: Oh, yeah. I think the second sure. you help you enable a guy by installing trap doors right. in their office the door lock, the lock button. Like, I'm. Huh,
2: That's like literally some supervillain shit.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's, right. it's, I mean, that like, it is a super That's like, like a Like no
2: one in real life
1: has a locking mechanism under their desk like that.
2: That's Mr. Burns shit. That's so weird and fucked up. Ugh. Don't bring Mr. Burns into this. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, besmirch his good name. Don't
0: besmirch that selfish billionaire. Uh, we're also learning some creepy details about James Franco, who sort of I don't know like what happened. It was it was almost like he, He's his name got brought up at the very end when people were like, all right, enough with this story. Let's move on. I don't like, know. He spun
1: out of that one real. Yeah.
0: I mean, I how think he also just James like Franco dropped off the face of the earth.
2: But how James Franco hasn't had consequences for all the shit. Right. Like he won an SNL and made fun of the fact that he was texting with that high school girl, like Instagram DMing. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, yeah. Jesus
2: Christ. Like, what are we doing?
0: What's wrong with like
2: how good an actor do we think he is? Right, I don't think he's good enough to ignore him fucking underage girls. It's like, But
1: he's got that vibe of a chill stoner. And then like right. I've
2: always thought that his brother Dave Franco was the good one, and he's the fucking trash. Is one.
1: Dave, oh, Dave is the trash one. No, Dave no, I think is no. the good one. Is he's Dave like the funny and nice. Is yes, I hopefully that's that whole. But James up. is ugh. Well, yeah, and all the stories basically, because you know what he had to answer questions about the practices of his like studio and acting school, basically, where he was making women do a lot of things they didn't want to in the name of like this is an acting class. And I remember he was like, you know, like whatever I gotta do, like I'll do like what you know, I'm this I'm not gonna say sorry, but I'm gonna say I'll do with, whatever I
0: whatever else
1: to make amends or I'm open to hearing these women. But and also now, the
2: balls on him to say that that was a class. Right. No, you so, were auditioning women Right. to he, like force them into pornography for you.
1: Yeah, he had
0: a school, an acting school, that had a propensity for letting attractive women in and offered a $750 master class for sex scenes. Right. In which uh, they had to videotape themselves simulating sex, uh, sign away the rights to the recording... Uh, and in these acting classes, women were routinely pressured to engage in simulated sex acts that went far beyond the standards in the industry. So it wasn't like, like there, there's no claim to what he was doing was uh, educational. It was just, you know, him... Trying to get away with whatever
1: he could and, and again, making the, people pay for that's it. That's
2: what I was gonna say. And making the women pay for their own humiliation and shit. That's so fucked up, right?
1: And again, again, just that abuse of power because that studio set up to be like, look, we make movies. So logically, if you really want this, we're gonna sort of leverage that to exploit your desire to succeed uh, by making you self tape these like weird videos that we own. And you know the lawsuit that they're filing. They not only just want like the like they're seeking financial damages, but they want the they want those tapes back. Yeah, and no to be shit. Destroyed because they don't just want this shit out there for their weird like half baked like porn shit they were making. Um, and yeah, when he went on Colbert in January of 2018, right after uh, all of this stuff was coming out, that's he said. Again, his quote-unquote apology said, "If there's restitution to be made, I will make it. I'm here to listen and learn and change my perspective where it's off." Right. And then fucking liar. Exactly. Then his lawyer uh, claimed that a lot of these, like a lot of the things that were claimed in this lawsuit, had already been debunked. Hmm. What the fuck does that even mean?
0: Right. So which ones in particular? It's just like the same shit as like the the Trump shit where it's just like, yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff has already been, deb- Do, you know, just like, like no. throwing shit out there without like allowing people to follow up and be like, okay, can you talk about specifically what you mean by that? Right. He also directed, none of this has any bearing on culpability in any of this, but uh, apparently he just released a movie, his directorial debut uh, uh. that, you know, if you thought you wanted to go to a film school run by him before uh, you would see this movie and ha- have some second thoughts because it's being dubbed the worst film of 2019 uh, it's based on a well regarded novel about a guy who comes to Hollywood in 1969 and initially gets mistaken for a member of the Manson family uh, good call on releasing that right oh, after timely. once upon a time in Hollywood and apparently it's just a, a real piece of shit like it's director sounds like I wonder like.
1: how like if he, what else he has in like development or like production, where there people are still like, yeah,
2: yeah, look, we're still, uh... people are obviously still fucking with him.
1: Yeah, his I'm...
2: roast wasn't even that long ago, his Comedy Central roast. Ooh, like we have that really was normalized before all this shit. The wasn't shit it? Out of
1: oh yeah, in yeah, the Deuce. I forgot he's in that show. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it's it'll be. I'm why the fuck is he in the Deuce?
2: That's what I'm saying, and that's a show about porn, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, come on, dude. You're just telling on yourself like Louis style.
0: And he's playing twins, which is such a actorly indulgence. Oh man, when uh, Army
1: Hammer did it, though, people loved it. Yeah. In the, in the Facebook. Well, he was really good. The social good. network. But as the Winkle Right. I
0: mean, that and uh, Dennis party. Rodman's twins movie are. Wait, no, Dennis Rodman. Oh, you double impact? Yeah. Is he a twin or?
1: Um no I think I
2: can't believe you didn't bring up Jean- Full House. No 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 not
1: it's not Double Impact was the one where Jean-Claude Van Damme had a twin right Played a twin yes that's right He has a twin brother That's right The one what is the Van Damme and Dennis Rodman film Uh Double Play or something Rodman was called don't, Double Team
2: Don't shit Don't call it a film
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yo I saw that shit in the theater with my dad because we were both like, "Yo, <laughs> fucking Dennis Rodman and Van Damme yes, were there." Because <laughs> uh, I think I was me. thirteen or some shit. Uh, it says a CIA agent is in turn for fu- uh, for failing a mission to kill an international terrorist escaping from his island exile. He teams up with a flamboyant arms dealer and sets out to find the terrorist and rescue the agent's wife and son.
0: Anyway, uh, Army Hammer and Van Damme are the only people who have pulled off the playing twins twin thing. Great. What about
1: what about, what about
2: twins playing one person?
1: Ah, right. Ah, uh, Full House. That's
2: what I'm saying. Yes. That's the best. And, Dylan, that and is.
1: Dylan and Cole Sprouse in Big Daddy.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great movie. Oh, and also, then you watch it now, and it does not hold up. Yeah.
1: Apologies when I said Dave Carter played for the Toronto Blues It's not Joe Carter. Yeah. Okay. Look, all my memory... I knew that. I just
0: didn't. I wanted you to learn the lesson for yourself. Thank you. And
1: that's why you're my father. <laughs> yes. You know, you let me burn up in the atmosphere. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. Well. Sophia, it's been Subject. so fun having you back.
2: Thanks so much for having on me. On the podcast. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheSophia, S-O-F-I-Y-A. And you should look out for 420 Day Fiance, which is a podcast Miles and I are swearing to you is real and we well, are like, cooking it's out. cooking it's cooking dude it's cooking and you can find me also uh on my podcast about love and sexuality around the world with courtney kosak called private parts unknown yeah you,
0: uh and is there a tweet you've been
2: enjoying so glad you asked there is it's a conversation the tweet is by at lacing it up me i need to show him he can't keep putting no effort in i'm going distant him hey me. Hey, how are you? How is work? How is your weekend? How is your brothers, girlfriends, cousins, coworker? How was dinner with your mom? Does she know about me? Ha ha, JK. I don't care unless she does, does she?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, uh Miles, where do people find you? And what's tweet oh man, been come on, man. Y'all know Twitter, Instagram at Miles of Gray at 420 Day Fiance. Uh, a social accounts that are we have to keep private okay because TLC does not want this show to come out look I'm gonna tell you I'm just keeping it blunt <laughs> okay they don't want this show to come out because our show is unadulterated truth about 90 day fiance it's a threat we have a fucking algorithm we apply to the show to rate the performances of the people this is something very new okay
2: no one's seen anyway, this shit before
1: so we have to protect ourselves legally because we feel like there's gonna be a lot of biters anyway some tweets I like first one is from Hannah Lynn at Han Franny uh, she's quote tweeting a page six, six article that says, Kim Kardashian wants to invite activist Greta Thunberg for dinner. And then she says, I actually would love for Greta to look Kim in the eye and say, your entire lifestyle is a burden on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this one is from at Daemonic3, interviewer, can you explain this five-year gap on your resume? Me. I was vibing. <laughs> interviewer. <laughs> oh, interviewer. Really? Me. Yeah, literally just vibing. <laughs> Interviewer under his breath. That's dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I clapped hell. for that one. <laughs> I love that one. He was just vibing. Well, it's just the turn, you know. <sighs> oh, was dope as hell. Dude. All right, <laughs> welcome to Val Surf. A
0: couple tweets. I've been enjoying Wensler Powers. Is that someone's real name? Tweeted Wonka Congratulations Charlie My chocolate empire is yours Charlie that's wondrous Wonka Now first thing We'll be handling This PR crisis Charlie wait what Wonka A lot of kids Just died in your factory Charlie And there's a rumor (laughs) That you apparently Own slaves (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, And Tomb Slate At Please be G-N-E-I-S-S Gnice Tweeted Medium If you're there Move the glass To say something Ouija board S O M E T Wait that's Uh. him (laughs) Yeah that's him uh, uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter Jack O'Brien You can find us on Twitter At Daily Zeitgeist We're at The Daily Zeitgeist On Instagram We have a Facebook fan page And a website DailyZeitgeist.com, Where we post our episodes And our footnotes Where we link off To the information That we talked about In today's episode As well as the song We ride out on Miles was that gonna be okay, today? Okay I think we
1: need some disco Okay we're doing the Scat Brothers, uh, who yeah. are an L.A. disco group. I believe yeah, they formed man. in L.A. Um, and they were kind of like the, like another masculine answer to the village people. And this track is called Walk the Night, and it's fucking... This shit is trailer music. This yeah. Look, if you have a very visual mind, close your eyes and just imagine any film happening to this song. It has a great thumping bass line. The song is so simple. It's got the four on the floor drum track. So this is the Scat Brothers Walk the Night. Uh, If you actually watch Righteous Gemstones, it was the credit music uh, to the episode, the Easter episode. You might recognize it from there. Otherwise, look, this is just some good old-fashioned four on the floor. Get your foot pumping disco music. All right. Disco funk rock, I guess. Well, we are going to ride out on
0: that disco funk rock. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow because it is a daily podcast, and we'll talk to you guys then. Okay?
2: I cross your.